Welcome to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. I'm Kate Oda. And I am James Moore. And today we are going to be talking about Hex by Thomas Old Huvelt. It is a horror novel about a small town originally in the Netherlands, and now it's taking place in a small U.S. town, and, and we'll talk about that later. But it's haunted by a witch with her eyes and mouth sewn shut and the precautions that they take to conceal her from outside the town and the impacts that she has on their residents. So uh, initial reactions, thoughts, opinions? It was terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll say my initial reaction was, I mean, it was, it's definitely worthy of the horror genre, which is not really my thing, which is going to kind of I'm trying to, you know, compensate for the my opinion and review because it's just not my genre. But I think the story is pretty solid. And I think this would make a, a really good movie. No. People <laughs> would flock to this in the theaters, I think. Not me. Uh, I've had my fill. I would <laughs> love the witch to leave my memory forever. I'm I'm, I'm over it. I, I need her to stop haunting my dreams. So some background. I've actually read this book before. So it was interesting rereading it. I read it a few years ago and I had forgotten most of it. I remembered that the ending was just completely insane. And I remembered like bits and pieces, but I really didn't remember the details. But I remember also being like very confused by parts of it the first time I read it. So this time I felt like I understood kind of what was happening a bit more, even though it had been so long. But I read this for a book club and we met in a cemetery to discuss this. (laughs) So at least I didn't make you all do that. (laughs) Thank you. I would not have come. (laughs) So, okay, there's a a lot to talk about with this book, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, But first of all, Kate, you said it was terrifying. Really, not a whole lot happened that that the witch was doing for the first 95% of the book. So did you find the whole thing terrifying? Just like the fear of what could happen? Yeah, it was the slow burn buildup. It was the concept that like, this woman could just appear in your bedroom and just be there. (laughs) And whisper like evil nothings in your ear until you killed yourself. Like, what? What? You don't have freedom to leave. She could just turn up while you're showering. Like, (laughs) why? Why? (laughs) I had a drying rack set up in my bedroom with a blanket drying on it while I was reading this. And my cats woke me up at four in the morning and I saw the drying rack. I was like, Not a fan uh, of that aspect of it. Um, but yeah, it was it was the slow buildup of like with the more and more and more things that she showed she could do, especially as those guys kept bothering her. And I was like, why are you doing this? You're going to kill everybody. And like they did. So I win. Um, but I... Yeah. Spoiler alert. That we're going to talk about everything in this book. Yeah. Um, but I... I literally only kept reading this book because I wanted closure and I wanted the witch to either like be done with her revenge and go be happy or like die and burn in hell. Like I didn't really care. I just wanted her to stop. <laughs> and you got and none it of didn't that. happen. <laughs> you got none of that. I was so mad. <laughs> so this is everything that I think we hoped 
for from, well, two books, really. Last year, around this time, we read Head Full of Ghosts. And that one was disappointing because it ultimately ended up being fake, right? There were really no ghosts. Mm -hmm. Um, And then our last book, Nothing to See Here, it had this huge premise. And we were waiting for that big explosion that never happened. So this easily could have fallen into either of those categories where the witch ended up being, you know, a hallucination that they all had from some like gas leak in the town or it could have been, you know, nothing happens at all. Like she just goes on about her day. Nobody dies. Uh, So we definitely got our fill of conflict in this one. Yeah. In general on this story, I'm I'm kind of on the fence because there was a lot. I had a lot of problems with this book. There's some things structurally that I didn't like. There were times that I didn't know who was talking. She she jumps from head to head to head within a chapter. We got a semi omniscient uh, narrator who knows things sometimes and doesn't know things other times. And is guessing at people's feelings and then knows people's feelings. I, I didn't like those aspects of the book, but the story is it's very layered. It's very deep. There's a lot of symbolism. And um, the way it was, there's parts of the structure that I do like because actions and and what was said in the beginning of the book really counted near the end of the book. Things were kind of brought together. I I like that aspect of it. There was a lot that I liked and a lot that I didn't like about this book. So I'm kind of in the middle ground with this. And on top of all that, I have to try and and I have to try and deal with the fact that um, there has been nothing that I've read that scares me. Nothing. And there's only been two movies that I've seen that have scared me. And we're talking about The Omen and Silence of the Lambs. Those are the only two movies in my whole movie watching career that have scared me. Everything else is either either grosses me out or just bores me. This book did not bore me, but it did gross me out several times at several points in and it was parts were horrid. So I guess that's kind of the point. If you if you're in a horror genre, if you write a horrid book with horrid scenes, he hit that nail in the head, I think, in, in a lot of the scenes. So Yeah. There were definitely a few scenes where I was like, oh, oh God, stop. <laughs> Like the thought, like what the hell went through my head like a hundred times in the last like a hundred pages of this book. Like, what am I reading? And then the fact that there's like these crazy hallucinations going on at the same time where you're like, is this really happening or is this a hallucination? I don't know which was better if this is actually happening or if this is just a hallucination. But I have to comment on your note about the narrator because I was irritated by that same thing because we have this all-knowing narrator that sometimes talks in like, we, you know, oh, we see this or we see this happening. So then I'm thinking like, okay, is this like a historian in the town that's writing this? But then at the end of the story, we find out that pretty much everyone dies. So I don't know who it would be unless it's the one guy at the end. Steve? Steve. Steven, yeah, Steve. If it's just him writing it, but then sometimes we're in first person and sometimes we're just in people's thoughts. So do you think it was supposed to be a certain narrator or was it just simply lost in translation? Well, I, are you asking who you asking? Oh, yeah. Whoever. <laughs> 
I thought it was a, a style choice. I thought maybe it could be like maybe in Europe they're more into the omniscient voice or maybe more experimental perspectives. So I was like, maybe it's because he's Dutch. I didn't think it was like a translation error. I thought it was very purposeful because it was consistently doing that kind of thing. I thought maybe they were trying to go for like a movie vibe. Like we see this moving through the woods as if it's like the camera person. Yeah, like Blair Witch Project. Yeah, but in a book, it's less effective because you you want to be with somebody in a book. I 100% totally agree with uh, Kate's assessment on the whole movie vibe part of this. And I think it, it's, it almost seemed as if it was a book that was adapted from a screenplay instead of the other way around. Because in a, in a book... You know, if you if you follow one person around, have your protagonist and then sometimes, you know, go to another person and and do that point of view, you can get away with that. You can get away with that 500 pages. But in a movie, you you really can't do that. People will fall asleep. So even there's even when there's a main character in a movie, you get perspectives from different characters in that movie. And and it seems like the person might have been going for that, but it didn't really work for me because I was not given clear indications of who we're talking about sometimes up front. So I'm I'm scrolling back saying, okay, who's saying this? Is this Grim or is this Steve or, you know. And that made the reading a little bit difficult. I think it. I think this would be fantastic as a screenplay because in the screenplay, it's obvious who's talking is the person that you see on the screen talking. But there was a lot of difficulties with that in this book, at least for me. Yeah. So I want to know what your initial predictions were, because like I said, I've already read the book, so I knew kind of where it was going and and going into the book, knowing what was going to happen. I was looking for different clues and there was a lot of foreshadowing going on. And they were hinting at stuff like, oh, well, this was the last time he was ever going to talk to his son or, you know, things like that. So I wanted to know, like, when you first started reading it, where did you think this was going to go? I expected, I mean, I I always expected the witch was going to change her pattern and actually start acting on things. But I... I was waiting for more information about the witch almost the whole book, even after the thing where they explained to the new people what was going on. I was like, no, they're going to find out something else about why she's doing this and that'll change things. But they never did. So I was like hunting for that carrot and never found it. So I I couldn't figure out what I thought was going to happen. Uh, I did figure she was going to kill those boys for sure. Like I wanted to kill those boys a little bit. <laughs> like they were so disrespectful. The box cutter with the boob thing. Like why? <laughs> like what? Why? <laughs> but yeah, I I didn't think I didn't think the whole town would go down with the ship. Um, that was a twist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to to answer your question, the book started off kind of slow for me. You know, because of that, because of, because of that carrot I was looking for. But there were some standouts as far as, okay, I know what's going to I mean, this is a 300-some page book. When the father is asked, would you choose the town or save your son? I said, oh, well, that's going to come up. And when you talk about a witch with the eyes and mouth sewn shut, I said, well, somebody's going to, you know, loosen that up. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see those signposts. And I think that the the one time that the author was a little heavy handed with the foreshadowing was when he did say, "Okay, this was the last time he's going to see his son. And that was a little I thought that was a little heavy handed and shouldn't have been done. But in in other respects, I think it was a a good job of, you know, connecting those dots. So you show me a bunch of dots up front and they all kind of get finished in the dress and and, uh, locked up at the end. I did. I did like that. So as far as the predictions, 
I think the the story for me did a good job of being kind of, you know, left wondering, you know, what's this, which is real motivation, you know, because if it was, you know, a, a 300 year old curse, you know, that, that got to get, that's got to get boring even for a witch. So there were, there were uh, elements that were shown at the end that kind of showed that the witch really wasn't like, um, I just want to get everybody, you know, and, and have them burn in, in hell because, you know, when, when the town went crazy, she was actually saddened and disappointed. So that was, I thought that was a, a different little twist. And it was said in the book several times, you know, the town is doing this to themselves. The town is doing this to themselves. And, <laughs> and they did. That, that whole scene with the the corporal punishment with the boys in there that was brutal and that's the that's the town by themselves the witch didn't have anything to do with that so yeah um i i kind of stayed away from predictions up front and just kind of let it go because uh after the first couple of zigs i could see that this was a more sophisticated story than just okay witch is mad wanted to make people you know suffer it was deeper than that so what do you think was her motivation? Because like you said, when she finally had the chance to cause destruction, it was the town that was really doing all of it. I mean, she was she was doing stuff, but to me it seemed like pretty much everything she did was a reaction to something that was done to her. Besides the fact that people couldn't leave the town without having suicidal thoughts, but people were provoking her or getting in her way of what she wanted. So it didn't really seem like she was like actively seeking out most of the time. And she was trying Trying to protect the kids in the end and then when the one kid got shot that's when she like flipped out but really you could think about that in in history and i'm not a historian i i don't know all the main events but there are tons of times in history where people's fear have caused worse things than whatever actually happens like the first thing that comes to my mind is just like like y2k people were so scared about that and then it ends up being nothing or the apocalypse is coming or you know these different things that happen and people get so fearful and they let the take over their life and and that's what's happening here like they they live in fear every day and sometimes they get a little complacent and then things happen to scare them again but when they heard through the grapevine that her eyes were open people were killing themselves left and right before they had even confirmed that this was actually happening they hadn't even seen her yet they had just heard that this is what happened so what do you think was her true motivation in all this my problem is that i thought she already got her revenge on the original town that did her wrong. So like, okay, let's talk about the witch's timeline. Someone thinks that her son died of smallpox, but then they see her son in town. Instead of logically being like, he survived smallpox, they're like, she revived him from the dead! (laughs) Which like, why? Why would that be your first first instinct, bro? Um, So then they're like, well, now we're gonna kill her, and if she doesn't kill her theoretically undead son, then we'll kill her daughter too! And so she kills her son to save her daughter, and then she's also killed, I guess, sort of. Apparently not killed enough. And then the next thing we know about her timeline is that that whole town that did that to her wiped out. Everybody's gone. Not a trace. Roanoke Island. (laughs) Which the fact that Roanoke happened is a reason that the author should not have set this book in America because we're not bothered (laughs) when people disappeared. (laughs) We're like, oh, well, we'll figure that out eventually. (laughs) It's not as scary here. So, so I thought she already got her revenge on those people that directly wronged her. 
it makes sense to me. But now she's like a zombie thing that just wanders around. Is it because she's sad? Is it because she wants to do something? She she whispers into people's ears to make them suicidal. What does she get out of that? I don't know. Is it is it revenge? These aren't the people she's getting revenge on. She already got her revenge. Is it to kill people to bring them back to life like the dog? That doesn't make sense. What does she get out of that? Like I don't understand what she gets. Every now and again, she gets a peacock, I guess. Um, <laughs> Griselda, what are you doing? Um, but I, I did not understand her motivations whatsoever. <laughs> not even at the end. I mean, the kids the kids made sense when she grabbed those two little kids and was like, haha, I have a son and a daughter again. Like, this is great. Just wanders through the town. But what does she think is going to happen? Her mouth was still sewn shut. She's still very scary. Is she going to whisper to them to kill themselves? Is she no longer going to whisper? She did after they died. So like, we'll never know. It just doesn't, her motivations made no sense to me whatsoever. So I didn't like her and I didn't think she was a strong female character. Because <laughs> I know that question's coming up later. The answer's no. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I do believe that uh, Catherine was was very confusing as far as motivation, because like you said, it seemed like, you know, the debt should have been paid way back, but she's going to keep these other people and, and newcomers that come into the town, hold them hostage some way. If you if you sign a lease on the house, then, you know, you're you're doomed to suicidal thoughts. If you ever leave, that was that was strange to do. And somebody who's trying to help you out by undoing the stitches on your eyes and mouth, you're just going to make them kill themselves. That didn't make sense to me. It, the only thing that really made sense at the, was at the end, like you said, with the kids, because it's like she got her son and daughter back. She was happy and they, they got taken away again by the small minded, freakish townspeople that just lost their minds. And, you know, I can understand being upset about that. I can understand wanting the children, but all the stuff that she did to people in between, I don't. I don't know why. What does she get out of it? Besides just, it seems like the author said, well, she has to do something frightening. She has to be scary. This is a horror genre. Okay, I'll make it so that, you know, she makes people suicidal, which is disturbing, does the job and everything. But you you have to explain it. It has to kind of make, it's as silly as this sounds, it has to make sense. You know, why is the witch doing this? It, I was very confused. Yeah, I, I was waiting for them to be like, oh, this whole town used to be her farmland and we've taken it from her. Like I was waiting for something to do with the, the land itself and it never happened. So yeah, her eyes are so shut. She may not really know who people are maybe. And then she just wants to keep killing whoever comes back into her space. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's just the town in general. She just wants revenge on not necessarily the people who wronged her. But like I said, at the end, it seemed like she didn't really care out of everything, she just really cared about getting the son and daughter back, which I feel like even with her eyes and mouth sewn shut, she probably could have just kidnapped a couple kids and went and hid in the woods for a bit and nobody would have bothered her because they're like, don't mess with the witch. We'll leave those kids with her. <laughs> We're not going to risk uh, killing everybody else over that. They should leave us alone. Yeah, I, I guess you could look at it. And, so, and I'm trying to make sense out of this. I'm just trying to make sense out of her motivations. The kids could have just been a fortunate happenstance. And because that her, her eyes and, and mouth were liberated now, she had the power to be able to grab those kids. Because I know in 300 years, there's been a bunch of kid opportunities that she should have been able to take advantage of. But it must have been the key that Steve actually freed her, took the chains off, unstitched her eyes, unstitched her mouth, and now she can grab a couple of kids. And that was just a fortunate happenstance for her. But in the meantime, you know, like we discussed already, why make all these people suffer? It's like she wants to be a 
spider in a web and anybody who wanders into the town unfortunately buys a house or something like that they um it's just going to be trapped forever and suffering in this routine of being hexed or, or cursed i just don't understand it that was one of the parts that was weird to me about the book too is that they're kind of secluded but then they have this trail that goes to their town so they have like random hikers that come through all the time and then they have people that are still moving into the town first of all they shouldn't even have houses on the market like why Bring them down. The Set them on fire. <laughs> right. Like, why even give the option for new people to come in if you know they're going to be doomed to never leave again? Why? I mean, I understand they probably want their economy or, or whatever, but that just seemed weird to me. And it was very jarring, actually. There was a reference to the um, Obama election. And I'm like, oh, well, first of all, I knew that it was written um, in, the, in the Netherlands first. So so this book was, was written, it was translated, over it sounds like the author actually translated it himself because he also speaks English and then he changed the ending of the book because he felt like he had a do-over but anyway so it felt like a random U.S. uh, you know pop culture (laughs) reference to set the time and place but it just felt really jarring I'm like oh we we were kind of in our own little bubble here and I guess maybe that was a point and it's like well there is a world outside of just this little town and they're still impacted by the election and other things that are happening. Yeah that does seem like that was just thrown in to date the book and at one point there's an actual date saying okay this is 2012 you know somebody actually thinks that or says that in the book so uh, it it seems to be an obvious um, you know effort to say okay this is the time and place and the part in history that this book is happening. But uh, before we go on to the next question, I have to say that one thing I really do like about the book is the name of the church, the Crystal Meth Church. <laughs> I know that was done on purpose, and it kind of reflects the kind of um, addictive craziness that these people were living in. You know, they were in a, a lot of ways, especially Griselda, is that her name? She was she was pretty much a meth addict <laughs> in her worshiping of the witch yeah why do you think she did that just because of her husband and feeling like the witch saved her and she was indebted or that she was or was she just insane i mean if if the witch if the witch doesn't do anything for many many years right she's just around and then she saves you from a domestic abuse situation you're gonna be like this chick's cool We're, we're friends uh and so I, I see how she got to that point of like, oh, let me bring her a little pate every now and again, which I, I wouldn't give anyone pate, but like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's not a cat, but okay. <laughs> so I see where it started. Uh, and then it just sort of spiraled, mostly because of her trash bag child. Why so do she, you think she was so attached to a peacock? You know, no one ever gives her anything good. I mean... <laughs> Well, you know, I, th- her character, Griselda, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but um, yeah, like the, the main thing, just like Kate says, is that, you know, she got pulled out of a tough situation by the um, by the witch. And let's look at Griselda herself. Mensa is not knocking at her door. OK, so she's she's one of those. I would say since it's a character, I won't be hurting anybody's feelings. She's very common. She's baseline. She's like right there at the bottom as far as understanding the world, understanding how people work and their motivations. So, and she's, she's the type of person that's easily swayed by whoever's in authority, whoever's in control and in power. 
And that's that's the witch. Catherine has everybody under her thumb in many ways. So that's uh, for her. That was her her source of worship. You know, please don't destroy me and my son. But it, and she was a little bit crazy, too, because, you know, she really considering sticking a, a sewing a, a pair of scissors in her son's throat out of love. So, OK, yeah, you, you need some real therapy. Yeah, this whole book reminded me of The Lottery um, by Shirley Jackson and just the whole theme of blindly following these town traditions because of fear and because that's just how things have always been done. Like none of these people that are alive currently have ever seen her do anything super, super crazy. Like, but they all know and they've heard the stories. So that impacts their day to day life. I mean, they've felt the impact if they go out of town, but, but it's not like the mass genocide that she had, um, you know, initially where she killed everybody in the entire town. So do you think that, I don't know, I guess when I first read it, I thought that it was possible that maybe nothing would happen or that, you know, it was all wrong. Like they had heard, heard these stories passed down and it somehow got twisted besides like, you know, as the story went on and on, then, then I started seeing, okay, no bad things are happening, but I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm still going back to the whole, I don't really understand what her motive is. Even reading it a second time, I thought that would give me some clarity. And even the whole ending, it doesn't really make sense. So let's talk about Steve for a second, because he made me so mad as a character, because how can you say that you basically only love one son. Only one son means anything to you because I understand he died, but this was even before he had died. He, Steve kept saying like, oh, he's my number one. Tyler, Tyler's my number one. And I'd be so distraught if anything happened to him. And of course, when Tyler dies, his other son's in the hospital, you know, and then when his son and his wife are burning in a building, he's basically like, whatever. I don't care about you anymore. So I don't really know what to even ask about that. I just felt so frustrated. <laughs> like, I don't really understand how his spiral happened so quickly like it did. And I didn't really understand his motives for why he just stopped caring about the rest of his family and anyone else. Yeah. If, if his son had been an only child or if the other kid maybe had been a stepson, it might have made more sense, maybe. No offense to stepchildren out there, but you know, it, it really made me feel gross. I was like, oh, I hope my parents never thought of me and my sister ranked like this or like she belongs to this parent and she belongs to that parent. Like that's pretty shitty <laughs> in terms of parenting. But I do want to quick go back to one thing you just said yeah. about the witches that you thought the witch might have ended up being like innocent or something because of like the Salem witch trials and stuff. And now we know what caused that kind of hysteria. We know everyone's innocent. Witchcraft isn't real, obviously, so everyone's innocent anyway. (laughs) But I was thinking, okay, if this woman wasn't like a 300-year-old zombie, I would probably have been like, she's innocent, guys. She's innocent. And I don't know how witch trials worked in Europe. I know there were some. I wish I knew more about what was happening with witch trials in the Netherlands, because maybe they were never exonerated. Who knows? But 
but they were obviously innocent and they were just women who were like smart or good at medicine or like midwives were burned for a while. What are you guys doing over there? But it, so it made me want her to be a good person secretly, like to actually be the, the total victim. And she was mostly a victim and then was evil, but I wanted her to be totally a victim because of how witch trials have victimized women for centuries. So that made me mad. Right. But she clearly was a witch. Like you she said. clearly was a witch in the end. They yeah, were so. <laughs> but like maybe it, w- it was not proven that her son was re- reanimated from the dead he just could have been cured of smallpox all by his great immune system her creepy so, like, suicide whispers that gave it away not the fact that her son was still alive yeah <laughs> why did no one think like oh everyone dies who listens to this woman talk she's a witch <laughs> yeah I, I think that uh, well going back to the steve character it almost seemed to me at the end of the book, the author says something like, well, I have to, I can't have anybody of value in this book. No characters. They all have to be reprehensible. So I'm going to have Steve do this because even outside of, um, you know, releasing the witch, what he, it, it just seems so out of character for him to just, just his wife and son, just to let them burn up in the church like that. I mean, that was a surprise move for me. It was just like a, a book of psychotics. It seems like I, that was a psychotic move. It it did not, and it did not make sense to me that that he would do that. So yeah, I was I was shocked and taken by that. And in the epilogue, I don't know if you guys read the epilogue or just stopped at the last chapter. But when it talked about him getting started on himself or whatever, he had hit the broken jaw, and you know was. I, I was thinking that maybe he was starting the process of stitching up his own, you know, mouth and eyelids. I don't know, whatever. That's how I Which, think it. Yeah. yeah. Right. That and <laughs> so, so I'm like, you know, what? Why is why is this happening too? I mean, if he's going to be the zombie guy, and some real estate developer is going to say, "Hey, we got all this land. All the people drowned themselves. We got the, all these nice houses. You know." Got some, you know, got some disaster control. Got to clean up where it was burnt down and stuff with, from the mass hysteria. But hey, let's make some money. And they develop another town, and he's going to be the witch this time. It just, I don't know. It really just threw me that they that the ending just, you know, worked the way it did. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't cyclical enough because the witch was also still alive. So. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that, okay, he's going to become the new witch, but she was never really released from her current state as far as we know. I just had an epiphany. <laughs> yeah. Enlighten us. <laughs> the ending tells us how the witch... No. Wait. Yeah. No. Tells us how the witch got in her current state. <laughs> She didn't kill the original town. They all freaked out and killed themselves in like uh-huh. in that same like mob mentality way that the that town because she would just stood there and watched it and they all freaked out and so that happened uh-huh. last time perhaps and then she no she didn't sew her own eyes and mouth well they know they don't know who did so she could have sewed her own eyes and mouth but that's like the a- thing is like I said it's just stories passed down so if everybody died who's to say how it went down and she can't defend herself about what really happened or not and so yeah maybe at some point she did sew her own mouth and eyes shut to protect everybody and they misconstrued it and they're like somebody must have done it and she killed everybody again when she you know got that all sewn up so so, yeah, I mean, maybe she did get released. We, someone knocked at the door. So who do you think was knocking at the door at the end? Because I have no idea either. 
I mean, Steve probably hoped it was Tyler, right? Because he was supposed to like choose the town or his son. Um, but I think that the witch is not actually that powerful. So I, I think it's the witch being like, sup? <laughs> I have a friend now. <laughs> like, I heard that you're single. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, oh, man, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I thought I thought it would be the witch too. If I had to pick somebody who would be there, because who? I mean, everyone else is dead, right? That's what we're supposed to assume. Or it's like the person from the next town over, like, hey, uh, what happened here? I'm like just a plumber from the next town over. Yeah. <laughs> I was just doing some work on the house next door, and everyone died. <laughs> Well, when that all started, everyone that was an outsider was kind of, you know, drawn out of the town. So That's true. <laughs> I don't know when that ends. When, <laughs> uh, yeah. So for me, I reread my review that I wrote of this book the first time I read it. And I still feel the exact same way this time where it's like, okay, really slow start. It was kind of funny in some parts. Like it was kind of lighthearted. They had her dressed up like the Easter bunny. It was kind of cute. And you know, something really bad is going to happen when they start throwing in humor into a horror uh, <laughs> story and then it gets like really really crazy in the last we call it part two but it was more than halfway through the book it just shit starts hitting the fan and then it gets really kind of fuzzy from there like the details there's so many hallucinations and wonky details or some time jumps and then they repeated some details over and over again. So it starts getting really confusing. So that's where I felt like I understood it a little bit better the second time reading it. I was able to follow um, that part of the story a little bit more. But really the ending, it was terrifying and creepy. So A plus for that. But I don't feel satisfied with the ending. And he thinks that this is the better ending of the two. So I... <laughs> I don't know. What are what are your thoughts? Help me out here about about this whole thing. It just didn't have the 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 resolution in terms of the why. Like a lot of horror stories will eventually tell you why what's happening is happening, which is almost even scarier because then you're like, oh, it could happen to me. <laughs> but like this isn't happening to me. I've moved and I didn't die, so like I'm I'm fine. She's not here. But if they were like, oh, you know. Some sort of Dutch curse. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I just needed the why. It's like when you read a mystery, if they didn't tell you the motive, they were like, oh, the butler did it. And you're like, but why? And then the book ends. I'd be so mad. So that's why I hate uh, Agatha Christie books because I don't know if you've read her stories, but it's like this convoluted explanation for how things happen. And you're like, no, no, that doesn't even make sense. You just like threw in random crap that because she doesn't want anyone to ever guess the ending of her book. So she makes it so ridiculous and has the most ridiculous explanation. It's like, no, no. That's more frustrating to me than not knowing the answer. <laughs> the answer is just... It just doesn't make sense. But yeah, where was our, our witch uh, James Bond villain speech? Yeah. It was Bond villain speech. Well, you know, here's how I felt about the book overall. If if I was, I think the, the book works way better as a movie, but still there's things that have to be done to, to make it a movie worth watching. Number one, that why that Kate is talking about, that has to be resolved. There has to be a why. Because there's some devices in there that I think which is awesome for a horror genre movie. I mean, even though I don't enjoy enjoy them, but 
the concept of someone mentally can have a hold on you so that if you leave a certain area, you start to think suicidal thoughts that you can't control yourself. That's pretty creepy and scary. If you touch this person or if you hear their whisper, you're going to go out and, and do yourself off. That's that's kind of creepy and scary. Those Those are good devices. But I think they were just mishandled in the story as far as explaining why are these people doing these things? Why is this happening? And I'd like the whole concept of the self-destructive nature of the town and the brutality kind of showing how man hasn't changed in 400 years as far as how they handle what they don't understand, you know, with the, the way they did the public flogging and everything. It was kind of like a Lord of the Flies deal where... You know, you think you have civilized people, but and yet they're, you know, whipping these guys with a cat of nine tails because they think they might have done something to anchor this witch that's got a hold on the town. You know, that's that says something pretty powerful in the story. But as far as the mechanics of it, the mechan- all the mechanics would have to be fixed. Yeah, I agree mostly, but I do think that the horror genre in general tends to do really well with less explanation. So I'm thinking about... Um, like the quiet place or um, the bird box, the, um, the the quiet place. I don't think it was a book first, but the bird box was, and you never really get any kind of explanation as to like who the, or what the, you know, creature is that's out there. And it's almost like the unknown is scarier than anything they could have possibly described. So I think that's kind of what the author was going for was not really knowing how things are ending or what's happening makes it scarier, which I will say that he was really good at building suspense when really nothing was happening. Like just her being in the room and the way that he described it was scary. Um, all of the hallucinations were terrifying and gross, but, but I think that he went a little bit too far into the unknown where you have to give the readers something to hold on to in the story. Like, okay, we don't know how it really ends. It's really unclear. We don't really know what their motivations were. Steve in general was just a train wreck of a person at the end I don't out of all the people in this book he was probably like he had the most potential <laughs> to, to be a good person and then he's the one that ultimately ends up getting everybody killed including his wife and son yeah and he went off the rails quick he had potential up until the last what I don't know 50 75 pages and then he just went <laughs> off the cliff yeah, I mean I can't say what I would do if you know, something happened to my daughter, I might lose my mind too. But it was just like, I could see maybe sacrificing the town, but sacrificing his wife and son is really the part that that I couldn't wrap my mind around. And, and, and I'm kind of stuck mentally because I just watched this documentary last night about a, a murder, this uh, husband killed his wife and two little kids. And it, I, I don't, even after watching the documentary, I still can't figure out his motivation. And I felt like that in the story too. And, and I keep comparing the two. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was like the murder next door or something like that. It was um, Shanann Watts was the woman's name. I don't recommend watching it. It gave me nightmares. But but anyway, it was like the same thing, but it actually happened in real life. And I'm like, how could you... How could you do that to your family? Like people, you must have something mentally wrong to be capable of of something like that. And and clearly, Steve was being impacted by grief. He was being impacted by the witch in a lot of ways, and and the potential of what he thought she could do. But 
I don't know. It just, I still can't get it to make sense in my mind. And that's kind of ruining the entire story for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that you're right that a lot of horror stories, like the horror element doesn't necessarily get explained unless the horror element is a person. And this is where my knowledge gets a little fuzzy because I'm terrified of horror movies. Mm -hmm. I cannot watch them. Like Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire gave me nightmares. Okay. That's... The thing where the the scooter goes through the Green Goblin, that's horrifying. But anyway, um, so I feel like with, you know, the the one the slashers where like man with saw goes after sorority sisters or whatever, whatever they are. He always has a reason. It's not a good one, but you find out eventually like why he's doing what he's doing because he's a person. Um, But horror movies where it's an object or an animal or like a mist, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't get that much explanation because we don't know how those things are motivated anyway, because sometimes they're not a thing that has motivation. But the witch is a person and she has a little motivation. So we just needed the rest of it explained. Yeah, that, and, and you're right that Steve just went off the rails when it, when one son died and really wasn't there for the other son, uh, and just like killed everybody. <laughs> I guess, because he thought he could trade them, which why would he think that? Because that's not how it worked for the witch. (laughs) But maybe if we knew more of the witch lore, it would make sense. Like if the witch had done that, I'd be like, okay, Steve. But no, we didn't get that. I guess he was just comparing it to the dog. Like if she could bring back the dog, which I don't think they really had proof that she did that, right? They just heard the barking and... And there was like a blur on a GoPro video from 2012, which like, you can't trust that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that was something else about the witch that kind of threw me. It seemed like her pattern was, um, it was... You know, the dog was, the dog never liked her. Okay. That was, that was from like page five on dog freaked out whenever she was around. Somebody finally sicks the dog on her and then she arranges for the dog to be dead, kills the dog. But it almost seems like the dog is her pal after that, because, you know, we know that, that she had some influence on that whole marking in the night thing and the, the dogs out there in the woods. And she was probably out there with the dog. And, um, and the same thing with the kids that she grabbed, she, you know, those, she, those kids died when she, the way they described it, um, as far as the, the little bit that they, we got from the parents through the, through the story, that these kids, what, ate their way through some wooden boards and had splinters in their face and palate, you know, we know that they're jacked up. But then she's, their pal just walking through town, you know, because I got a, you know, I got a couple of kids. So it, it that combined with her sadness in seeing the the mayhem of the mass hysteria almost made almost made Catherine a sympathetic character saying, look at what these people are doing to to themselves just because they can't handle the fact that I exist. It's in a weird way. It it made her the most likable character in the book. (laughs) Everybody else is reprehensible. And the only one left, like I was same before anyone left that seemed to be halfway decent with Steve and and they just threw him under a bus by doing that to his his son and wife so i i'm not saying a strong female well in strength in female character you got she had control of that town she had control of the story she um she was the motivation for just about every other character and what they did so technically i say this is a, a strong female zombie character but not easily understood strong female zombie character. 
Yeah. Well, she didn't have a lot of agency. She was really reactive. Um, so that, she that's... didn't really have a lot of agency because she was limited with her eyes and mouth sunshut and the shackles. You know, if she, if she had free reign, it might be different. Oh, so something that I expected to happen based on how it was going. So I, I thought if Tyler was going to come back right? There was going to be a major problem with his reanimation, which is the fact that his parents agreed to let him be a cornea donor for his brother, which it's very important to be a registered donor. You can register at donatelife.org. Uh, it's a great decision. But Tyler was going to come back and not have his corneas because they were with Matt, who burned in a church. <laughs> so like, Tyler wasn't going to be able to see anything. So that was going to be weird. Right. It was kind of weird, all the connections to eyes, right? So the brother had his eyes. Whatever happened, we, it's still kind of unclear what happened. He touched the He door. glued them shut. Oh. Yeah, he put glue into his eyes. Because yeah. he saw the witch and she told him to do that. Because it was unc- unclear because... Clearly, somebody took the recording and put that up to Tyler. So she didn't even intentionally kill him. That was Jaden. And But I want to know what happened to Matt after that. Did he also hear the recording? Did she came into the room and then he like went up to her and she started whispering? Or he saw his brother hanging there and decided to glue his eyes shut. And then there was the mushrooms in his room, like right. the ring the mushrooms. Like I thought maybe something about the toadstools is what the second half was all just very jumbled and there was so many hallucinations and weird things happening it was even the thing about like the kids chewing through the wood like you're talking about james i wasn't sure if that was actually happening or not or yeah. if someone's imagination i think the author on purpose made it questionable um and made the parents story unreliable the way it was written to to throw that mystery in there and I don't understand why that was done. I mean, it should have just been, I think that should have been made clear. Um, and it is very confusing as far as what happened with Matt, because it couldn't just be that person that jumped into the window and did the whisperings because some power had to make those toadstools, you know, appear and grow out of the ground. And, and that's, that's Catherine type stuff. That's witch type stuff. Right. So why would she do that to Matt when, you know, somebody had done something horrible to Tyler using, you know, her whispering it it almost and it almost seemed like she felt bad about that i don't know it's it's like like you said jumbled a lot of a lot of the events were jumbled as far as explaining why are these people motivated to do what they're doing yeah which is frustrating because the narrator was omniscient <laughs> well yeah well even even partially so i think you can't even commit to be totally omniscient because there's sometimes in the books when in the book where the narrator is saying something and they would say and so-and-so might have thought this about that. Well, don't you know? You're an omniscient. If you're going to bring it up, tell me whether they actually knew that or not. And it was just, it's not, it wasn't a lot of that, but it was just a little, it was just enough for me to notice, to question, am I dealing with a narrator that knows what's going on? So let's talk about the other alternate ending, the original ending. So it's actually very difficult to figure out what the other ending is because he's kind of secretive about it. And, but from that article, it seems like the other ending just has to do with like, you know, they're all basically in hell and purgatory maybe. So I can see how that could also be unclear. 
I really like the idea of him changing the ending so that somebody ends up being the new witch, like sewing their their own eyes and mouth shut. Like that's a really cool way to keep the horror going because usually there's not like a happy ending in horror uh, stories. So so I like that, but but it's almost like he said, okay, halfway through the book, I'm just going to change the last half and I need to pick somebody who's going to be the new witch. Steve, okay, <laughs> we'll, pick, we'll pick him and and not really make everything else fit in with that. I think there I think it was building up to have Griselda be the new witch and I know that would have been too obvious, but even like Tyler would have made more sense to me because he was kind of fighting it, but he was also like really intrigued and also really invested in his research of the witch, but Steve just felt so just felt wrong yeah i think in the other ending like the witch did a lot more and in the english language ending the town does a lot to itself which feels like something about uh america (laughs) yeah i was gonna say it's very american where you just you do it to yourself (laughs) you brought this upon yourself and now you'll suffer But at the same time, like when when there's so much fear and a town destroys itself, it kind of made me think a little bit of like a little bit of World War II, like the the Nazis tried to get people to be so afraid of the the Jewish people that you'll just tear yourselves apart to like have them go away or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's not a perfect metaphor. Okay. But like, (laughs) but Europe has experienced a time where fear drove people to do terrible, horrible things to themselves and those around them. So I was like, maybe he's taken a little bit from that. Maybe because he rewrote it in English in what, 2015, 2016. (laughs) There was a little bit of that. (laughs) But before that, I'm not sure. Yeah, it, it did feel like that aspect of it where the town is doing things to themselves was a little more cohesive than if the witch had suddenly just like thrown off the shackles and been like rise my demon babies and like you know that would have been weird (laughs) well in in my opinion i I, I like the idea of the town kind of self-destructing a little bit better in the story not that you know, we already talked about all the things that need to be fixed in the story, but the one aspect that I do like is and keeping in line with the wrongness of the witch trials, because that was kind of motivated by everybody being afraid of something that, you know, they basically made up in their heads. Okay, this is a, this person's a witch because a lot of finger pointing, let's kill this person just to be safe you know, because they might be a witch. Because that finger pointing at the end during that riot, you know, that that seemed to be at the same level of hysteria and wrongness as, you know, what they were probably dealing with in the 17th century. So I, I like that part of it being kept in there. But, you know, you, you got to have it make sense to really have an effect on me because that's what you want as an author. You have to you want that emotional response from me. Well, it has to some you don't have to explain every single thing and how it works, but it has to make sense to me. So what would you rate this book? I knew that question was coming. I'm just so on the fence with all the problems that I have with the book with but with other things that I really did like about it. So are we on a five star scale? Is that what we're doing? On on the five star scale, I guess I'm going to be generous and give it three because I'm I'm considering the fact that horror is not my genre. So I'm going to automatically give it a star because it was really horrible and and yucky. 
but it, it didn't scare me. But it, you know, nothing, almost nothing does. I like the the structure and the. I guess I guess I'm giving one star for just potential. You know, with a little bit of work, this story really could be good on film and actually a good read if some a lot of work was done as far as POV problems and that sort of thing. So I'm going to give it a three out of five. How about you, I I think I'm gonna go with three and a half out of five because so so if you don't like horror and you're a chicken like me, <laughs> just consider this book just it doesn't exist. Just don't just move along. Um, but if you do like horror, if you like the slow burn kind of horror, it did that really well. The suspense, the building up, the what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen sensation. The concept was interesting. I I wish he had left it in the Netherlands. I would love to read a book set in the Netherlands. That's my ancestry. Those are my people. Let me read about them. (laughs) So I am disappointed that it got moved to America. But I feel like that wasn't necessarily his choice. I feel like the publisher probably pressured him. So boo you, publisher. But not really boo you, publisher. I love you. Publish me someday. (laughs) So... Uh, but I wouldn't read it again because it was too scary and it had the POV problems had me all over the place and the ending didn't make sense. Yeah, I agree with all those points. So if we're comparing other books in the genre, I liked this a million times better than Head Full of Ghosts. We had a lot to talk about with that one, but I just really didn't enjoy that one. I did enjoy it more reading it a second time. Uh, it definitely checked off the horror boxes for me and having like the what the hell reaction over and over and over again. When a book surprises me, that automatically gives it a bump up because I I get pretty good at guessing endings to books and, and this one definitely wasn't expecting it to go down the way that it did. But I would still, I think if the ending had made more sense and the motive had been clearer, I would have given it a four, but it's def- it's more in like the low three range, maybe even worse. The only reason why I'm sticking with a three is because it was better than Head Full of Ghosts and I'm pretty sure I gave that one a three, but I can't give it a four. <laughs> So, any final thoughts about this book? Um, this was uh, this was like digging a ditch at points as far as reading it, at least for me in the beginning. And then, like, I think you, Amber, was the one that mentioned, okay, I powered through this because I just had to see what was happening. I don't know if you were the, either you or Kate said that. Mm-hmm. I have to see what's, how this is. You wanted closure. Yeah. Yes. You, you wanted closure. And that's the experience I had, too, because about halfway through, it's like, oh, I got to see what happens next. And the author did do a good job of not having any extremely slow parts. Something big happened when I was, you know, needing it to happen. So, yeah. So, Kate, you already kind of talked about this, but would you recommend it to people who like horror stories? I mean, I recommended it to you guys to read. So mainly because I wanted a chance to reread it (laughs) and because I think it's a really good one for Halloween because it is creepy. Definitely. So I, w- I would still recommend it to people. We have a lot of horror writers in our group, and I think that they would enjoy most of this book. Yeah, I, I think people who like horror would like it, uh, unless you don't like body horror. There was a lot of like mutilation happening. Mm-hmm. So if you're not okay with that, just move along. Maybe if you're into like the witch trial kind of stuff, you would like this. Definitely not for anyone who's too young. <laughs> 
there was some some creepy sexual stuff happening at one point. Yeah, what's up with the wild boar? <laughs> that tripped me out. I don't know. Oh, also, I forgot to say this. I did not like the character of Grimm because he kept complaining about the size of women's foreheads. <laughs> I thought that was supremely sexist. I just like twisted. any of the characters <laughs> for that, many reasons. Grimm was twisted. The thoughts that he had in his head as far as what he wanted people to suffer just because he was, you know, irritated with them really made me dislike him. Yeah. Right. He would have made more sense as the witch. Oh, yeah, totally. True, yeah. I was hoping when Catherine ran up on him, I was like almost hoping that she was going to, you know, have this guy kill himself. But no. I wanted her to just have him shave his hair back so that he had the giant forehead. (laughs) Yeah, jerk. (laughs) Like, what a weird complaint. What? (laughs) Too much. I love the chest, but she got too much forehead. It came up way too frequently. Way too much. (laughs) It's his pet peeve. That's all. All right. Well, next time, next month, we'll be talking about The Girl on the Train, Paula Hawkins. It's a really popular one. It's also made into a movie. So make sure to check that out if you haven't already or if you want an opportunity to reread it, then take advantage of this and join us for our discussion. Thanks for listening to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. Join us next month to see what we thought of another best-selling book with a strong female main character. The chat doesn't end here. Let us know your thoughts in the comment area or connect with us on social media. Enjoyed the show? Share the love. Give us a review, like, follow, and a share with your friends. Find more reviews, discussions, and articles related to publishing, writing, and editing on judgingmorethanjustthecover.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace out. Oh, 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 oh,